Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. My mind, you just wake up and go rake. He did it again, and this time he's going to drive in a run. Maybe two. Here comes Bernie. He'll score. Five for five for a rise. And he's back to four. Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm kind of a big deal. Here's Danny and Will. Episode 88, Wake and Rake Podcast. Will Middlebrooks, Danny Vietti. Our pets' heads are falling off, Brooks. Like everything, like what's going on in the league, like the Cincinnati Reds are in first place. The Boston Red Sox are three games over 500. They're in last place. The Minnesota Twins do not have a winning record. They're in first place in the American League Central. The Texas Rangers are in first place in the American League West. The Arizona Diamondbacks are in first place in the National League West. What's going on in the league, man? It's June, what is it, 20th. Our pets' heads are falling off! Okay, just calm down. I love it. I love it. I don't love it for the Sox. I'm not going to complain about how tough their division is because it is what it is. We wanted competitive balance, and there's been a little bit more of that, at least from the teams at the bottom of the barrel. Um, I mean, look at the Reds. I mean, they – they what? I was looking at some record. I'm trying to look. I have it written down for you. You're going you're gonna to love this. I have some stats. You love stats and, like, history, and I have it for you. The Reds, let's see. Okay, here we go. So they, they've won nine straight as of last night. So they have a chance to win ten straight games, and that will match the longest winning streak since 1900 – by a team that lost 100 games the year previous. Wow. There are three other teams to do it. So there is the 1986 Indians, the 06 Brewers, and the 2022 Orioles did it last year. Those are the only teams to ever do that. So we're looking at like one of the bigger turnarounds that's happened in the game. I mean, they were 65 to 1 to win their division. Wow. 65 to 1. So there's somebody out there making that has a good chance to make some money. There's still. I mean, we're not even halfway through the season yet, but um, you got to think they're going to be buyers at the deadline, right? So they're going to go out. They, I think they need a starter and a, a good reliever, and that would really help them out. Everybody needs a starter, man. But you see Joey Votto's back and went deep his yeah. first game back. Because in our last episode, we're like, what are we going to get from Votto? Like, is he going to be anything? I still don't know that he is uh, at this point in his career with his body where it's at after all these surgeries, but – Homer's a homer, and you know you add that leadership to a young, fiery club. Might, they might just be onto something. I forgot to wish you a belated Happy Father's Day. Hey, thanks, man. To all our listeners, belated Happy Father's Day to you. So you didn't get to spend Father's Day with the gals, though. You were on a plane out to Boston. Did yeah. you do anything during so the weekend? I originally was going to be home with them all day and then fly out Sunday night to Boston because I'm here all week for pre and post game. The team's out of town. They're in Minnesota, and then they go to play the White Sox. But we do pre and post game from here even when they're out of town. Uh, I'm actually doing it with Jonathan Papelbon this week, which is a complete riot. He's a crazy human being, but in all the best ways possible. It's a fun show. But, um, yeah, the Saturday game, Red Sox versus Yankees here at Fenway got rained out. Fox was supposed to have that game. Since they had to play a doubleheader on Sunday, Fox can't cover Sunday games. They don't have the rights to it. ESPN does. 
Uh, so ESPN actually had the night game. So we had to step in at Nesson and cover game one. So I had the day game uh, against the Yankees in the booth, which was a lot of fun. It was my first Red Sox-Yankees game that I got to call. So it was pretty cool Father's Day. And they got the win. They swept the doubleheader. They swept the series. Um, so that's – and then I watched game two in the stands as a fan. That's so cool. I just like – I know a lot of the security guards and the ushers in the stadium just from my years being here. And I just – I make sure to always be nice to those guys because they put in the hours. And there's some guys that have been here for 40 years doing it. It's really cool. So um, I, I know where my guys are. One of my guys is up on the monster. And uh, so I went and found him, and I was like, hey, I know these are probably going to be sold-out seats. Um, but he, he's like, I think that one's open. So I sat there. I was like a few seats down from the foul pole down the left field line for like four innings. Then finally someone showed up, and I was like – went to the, just kind of float around and I sat all over the stadium for, for uh Yankee Sox at Fenway. It was the first time as a fan I've ever been able to do it. Did anybody happen to get video of a casual fan walking up to Will Middlebrooks and saying, Hey buddy, you're going to have to, to boot okay, it. Okay. So no, I was seat. like, I didn't want that to happen. And plus like, I'm not like big poppy walking around. Like people don't, I mean, but you and you, are you in your suit? No, no, no. So the hotel's closed. So I came back after the game. There was like two hours in between games. Um, like showered up, changed clothes. I was just in like jeans and like a hoodie. Okay. You know, I was just hanging. And then like Nesson has a suite where they like sponsorship comes. I have people and there's food. So I went up there, got food and drinks for free. I went about to drop 15 bucks a beer. And uh, I'd go up there, get some food, get a beer, go to a seat, watch some couple innings again, go back, grab some more food. You know, it was just, it was a good night. I haven't got to do that as a fan ever, so that was that was pretty cool. So you can walk around the ballpark and sit in a seat and watch a game and not be just, you know. I'm not like swarm of people. I'm not like a – I wasn't like a Hall of Famer, you know. But like you, some people will like come say what's up, but it's not – it's nothing crazy. It's fun. I enjoy it. I, I, I like getting out there and like mixing it up with, with the fans at Infinite. It's crazy how quickly you get recognized as soon as you put on like – either a uniform or a logo, if you're wearing your Nesson polo. Like I found oh, yeah. out when I, when I went to Oakland, uh, my pops went with me. Actually, he was our unpaid intern video camera guy for the night. Okay, that's fun. And uh, he was like, man, like, like people recognize you. And I was like, yeah, I'm like a lot of it, though, is because I'm wearing the blue CBS sports polo. Like that is a cue for people. So like if you wear your jersey out in public and it has your name on it, it's just like immediate. Which would never happen. But, well, no, but like if you're at an autograph signing or something like that, you know? Oh, yeah. But if I'm at Fenway, people, I mean, these that's all just how, like, I guess crazy. Like, invested. They live, invested. They, 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 live, they live and die Red Sox around here. As much as, like, the local radio wants to say the Red Sox are dead, no one cares about them, the, the, the stadium's packed out. Like, people care. They, they care. That doesn't fit the narrative on the radio here for sports, sports talk radio, which is just so negative. But that's that's big market is what happens. Last question for you when it uh, comes to Sunday, just the logistically, how did that work? So you were sitting at home Saturday and all of a sudden, you know, so they kind of put it on my radar Friday night. Say that so one more Friday time. Night. Huh? Say that one more time. So they, they put it on my radar Friday night. Okay. Uh, one of my bosses, a guy named Mike Berry, called me. Uh, was just like, "Hey, just want to give you a heads up, put it on your radar. It's not looking good weather-wise tomorrow, so like, look at some flights. We might need you to fly in to do the game on Sunday." Um, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." He's like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "My kids are three and four. Like, they don't know what the hell Father's Day is. It's just another day. Like, hey, cool, thanks, Dad. Here's your card. We we drew on 
see ya. You know, it's not it's not a big deal to them. They're not that at that age. So I was like, yeah, of course. I'd love to spend it with my family, but I've been home for a week, and there's a chance to do Red Sox Yankees. I'm not going to turn this down. Um, so Saturday, I'm looking at the. It was like 90% rain, like all day. So I went ahead and booked a flight just to be safe. Uh, he called me like midday before uh, the game even was officially canceled. I was like, there's no shot they get this in. Like, book your flight. So I flew up. Um, when was it? It was it was Saturday night. So. I got in nice and early, prepped the game, went to the stadium at like nine, finished working, and then called the game. Good stuff. Yeah, it's fun. Sweep. Sweep the sweep the Yanks, baby. Yeah. About They're playing that? good ball right now. That's the thing with the with the with the Red Sox. They're just so up and down, up and down, up and down. Like the first month and a half month, month and a half of the season, like the offense was really good, like top three in baseball in a lot of categories, but starting pitching was like twenty seventh. Like awful right so brian brian bayo is him dude he's a stud so is paxton james paxton is back i don't know if you saw any of his outing last his last i think his last four outings he has like a 2-2 era it's always he, that great got, stuff it's just it's he's tough. averaging like eight strikeouts a game you know it's just and he's facing good teams too so um i don't consider that even though the twins are in first place like i don't consider him a good team i i don't think they're a good team. They're in a shit division. Yeah. And I don't, I, it sounds like I'm like, I just don't think they're a division leader. They're just in a bad division. You've always liked Cleveland from the start of the season. You like, I have, I, but even, even them, I'm like, at this point, I'm like, they're not a, they're not a real like world series contender. Yeah. Like whoever comes from this division, you have to win this division in the playoffs. None of these teams are going to get in based off of a wild card. They're not good enough. You're talking about the central, right? The central, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Minnesota's one game over. Cleveland's five games under in second place. Detroit is nine games under. Kansas City is 19 and 53, the worst fucking record in the league. And they're 16 games back in first has anyone, place. Has anyone had a losing record and won their division? I, I don't think that's, I'm actually, no, I know for a fact that's never happened in the history of the game. Really good question. It's no, I'm pretty sure it's never happened. The only division winner to finish losing more than they won 2005 San Diego Padres. No, you're correct. The, the headline is super shady. It says, Thanks a lot, Bleacher Report. It says, San Diego Padres, only division winner to finish losing more than they won. And then it says the Padres finished the season 82 and 80. So maybe maybe after the, the postgame series losses. I don't know. Oh, okay. So here, here we go. Okay. Let's go to MLB.com. They're going to know what they're talking about. Okay. They won't talk about the A's boycott, but they will talk about historical records. <laughs> uh, the worst record to make the playoffs were the 2005 San Diego Padres they still had a winning record at 82 okay. and 80. So you're so no you're, one. Okay. So no one's ever done it. No. It, after that, okay. the like St. Louis are Cardinals. looking at a legit chance of a team with a losing record getting in the postseason this year. I they, think the twin. I mean, I, and they're going to have to win their division, obviously, to get in. I still that think is, the, the twins finish with a winning record. I, I think the twins offensively struggle when Buxton's not in the lineup for sure. Yeah. If they, you know, if they can get him back healthy, I think they're going to be fine. Pitching wise, yeah, they pitch. I mean, they can pitch. 
dude, they, they get as much swing and miss in that starting rotation between Lopez and Joe Ryan and Sonny Over Gray. Good too. Anybody in the league. I'm not exaggerating. When you look at swing and miss percentage on baseball's Avant, those three starting pitchers, Ryan, Gray, uh, Ryan, Gray, Lopez. Thank you. Uh, Lopez. Uh, so, I, so Lopez do last night. Mm-hmm. He is filthy. Number one, the ball comes out of his hand different. Like it just, it's almost uncomfortable even to watch. Like thinking, thinking along like as a hitter, like sometimes you really have to guess with him, but he has so much natural movement on everything he throws. I feel like this is where the Red Sox got him is they kind of waited him out because he, his chase rates like through the roof, yes. right? He, he, he feasts on guys being aggressive against him because everything starts in the zone and everything works out. You kind of have to take the four before three method up there, like thinking I'm going to take till two strikes because most of these pitches that I feel like are strikes when I swing end up out of the zone. So even even saw even Tristan Casas hit a single off the wall like 110 miles an hour bounced right to the outfielders with a single, but then he hit a 100 110 mile per hour homer to to right field. And both of these pitches that he he squared up were down and in off the plate, like not even close to being. They would have been called balls. Hmm. So it's like they hit. He didn't make but like three mistakes over the plate. Everything was either blacked or off, and it starts on the plate and works off. So you can pretty much wait him out and get into good counts to hit where he's forced to throw you pitches over the plate, but teams aren't doing it because there's like seeing it out of his hand looks good to hit. And then the movement is just killing him. Interesting. The team itself is really top heavy. Like lineup wise, you have like Correa, Buxton, you throw in maybe a Royce Lewis or someone. And then after that, it just kind of falls off. Um, and then starting pitching wise and bullpen wise, you have your, the gray Ryan's and, um, and Lopez. And then after that, it's like a little bit more of a mixed bag, like, like made as he healthy, you know, stuff like that. And then bullpen wise too, you have drawn Duran back there. And then you have Jorge Lopez who can be a bit of a coin flip. So your top guys on the twins are good, like legit MLB all-star caliber players. And then there's like, wide open space in the middle and then a big drop off to like the rest of their lineup. And they have one of the highest strikeout percentages in the league lineup wise. So they just don't have a lot of depth. You mentioned Miami and I want to transition into Miami. You called me on the phone when you're on your way to Boston because you found something with a certain guy on Miami. And I kind of want to let you break that down because I found it fascinating. You got to be talking about a rise, I would think. No. What are you talking about? Sandy. Oh my God. See, I was so locked into a rise right now. Cause I, I was, I misheard you. So I texted you this morning was like, dude, we got to talk a rise. Like he's back yeah. to 400. Like he's doing something like that's crazy. Um, that is also yeah, crazy, yeah. I, I'd already put uh, Sandy out of my mind. I'd already forgotten about that. Yeah. So that's good shit. You can't let that just go by the wayside. You got to fill. Well, I forgot out. about it. Cause so much stuff has been going on. So Sandy Alcantara, he's your 2022 NL Cy Young having unarguably his worst season so far this year. You look at his numbers, batting average against, velocity's still good. Uh, he's throwing still 99, 98 miles per hour in the seventh inning on. He's still pitching deep in the ball games, but he has an ERA that's inching near five, which would be a career high for him. Uh, I mentioned how his velocity this year, his average fastball velocity is 98.1. That ties his career high. 
So it's not a lack of velocity. It's not a lack of stuff. That's it. Like something's up. Something's up because I, dude, I've been digging into the analytics. Like, so I was at the airport the other day when I called you about this and was like, for some reason, I would I, I saw his his stat line and I and I knew he had been struggling and I'm just thinking, okay, like his velo must be down, right? Because he he's always averaged like 97 on his fastball or more, uh, but his his average fastball is exactly the same. I mean, yeah. it, or close. Let's see, a sinker, his fastball is averaging 97.8. All right, last year it was averaging 98, so it's literally the same exact thing. All right. Um, his fastball, his sinker, 217 batting average. That's pretty much in line with last year. Actually, that's even better. Last year, he, he 265 batting average, his sinker. So I'm thinking like, okay, how is he getting hit? What's going on? Where's the hard hit coming from? And then I look at his changeup, which last year, really the last couple of years, was considered one of the best secondary pitches, if not the best secondary pitch in, in all of baseball. You look at 2022, opponents were batting 145 against his changeup. And he threw it a ton. Like, he threw it nearly 28% of the time. Like, he used it. This year, he's using it 26.5% of the time. Teams are hitting 313 hmm. off of his changeup. How does it go from one of the most lethal secondary pitches in baseball to teams hammering it? Hammering it. And I mean, the exit velocity has been high. Uh, the swing and miss, the whiff percentage is 35 and a half, which is interesting because last that last year it was 34 and a half. So the whiff percentage is actually higher, but the batting average is higher. That tells me it. And, oh, and I looked at the movement. I'm thinking maybe it has less movement. It's not dropping. It's not running. Maybe the differential in speed is isn't is is closer to his fastball. So guys are just seeing it better and they're, they're not being off balance. All the movement, all the speed, all the deception, the arm angle, everything is identical from last year. So that tells me if I'm looking at that, I'm thinking he is 100%. Not every team, but some teams he's facing have found a tip. He, I just feel like he has to be tipping his changeup somehow. Now, the Marlins, every home team looks at their own pitchers to try to find these things. They clearly haven't found it because it hasn't changed. And it's clearly not every team that has it on him because not every team is having that success. I haven't gone down and looked exactly which teams. If there's like some teams that stand out that hit him better, maybe we look into that because they clearly have something. With all the video and technology in today's game, it's like, it's you can pick apart and slow down and you have all these different camera angles where you can find something on almost every guy. Mm. Now it's different from being able to see it from like watching on TV or the third baseline or yeah. Can you see it in the box, right? Can you see it in the box from behind home plate or from the batter's box? Can you see what he's doing? So, you know, the, the, the classic thing is like pitchers flaring their glove on a changeup because their hand has to expand in their glove to get the grip. You know that one. That's like one of the best. But some guys just move their gloves on certain pitches. Some guys don't move their hand as much in their wind-ups. There's so many small things that every pitcher does, and some people can find things. I feel like that has to be exactly what it is. There has to be some teams that have found something with his delivery, and he has to be tipping that changeup because it can't just go from being one of the best pitches in baseball 
to be getting crushed. And that's been the biggest difference in his numbers. His mechanics are the same. The movement's the same. The velocity's the same. He's the same pitcher, except his best pitch is now getting hit. Last year, you mentioned the percentage. He actually threw his changeup more than any other pitch last year. He threw it 900 times. The next highest was his sinker at 818. So he threw his changeup more than any pitch last year. And like you said, damn near unhittable, 146 opponent batting average. My initial reaction to you telling me that was, what does his heat zones look like? Is he leaving it middle, middle? You said you kind of took a peek at, at that as well. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. I had it in front of me a second ago. You're good. So it's not middle. Like it's down in, how does this turn? So this would be down and into a righty. You look at his heat zone, um, you should be able to clip this and put it on the yeah. on the video to show it. But like, it's not over the middle of the plate. Right. If you look at his fastballs, they're up in the zone where he lives with with he spins that four seamer. His two seamer looks like it's on the inner half to, to righties where he wants it because that's where he plays the change up off. And you look at the heat zone. It is in the down bottom, down and in quadrant to a right handed batter. That's exactly where it's always been. That's exactly where he wants it to be. Unfortunately. Some teams, it's clear they know it's coming. So if you know 97 with run or 98 with run is coming, that's one thing. If you know when a guy's going to throw his changeup, which is normally 90, 91, 92, all of a sudden that turns into a BP fastball, hmm. right? All of a sudden that's a – that's a. if you treat that like a fastball, you just treat it like a two-seamer, it's not overwhelming velocity that's going to beat you. So if you're able to sit on that pitch when you know it's coming, it's going to get turned around. That's that's fascinating stuff to me. Anytime I hear a guy, I also I also could be I also could be completely wrong. Yeah. I just don't know what else it could be. Yeah. But the numbers the numbers indicate that because, like I said, with the metrics and the movement, the horizontal vertical break, all that isn't that different. So the pitch is the same. Yeah. The velocity is the same. You look it's over his career. And has something on his, on his changeup. Nobody's ever had a super high batting average against this changeup. His worst career high was in 2019, 274 opponent batting average, which is fairly high. Um, that was like when he first came in the league, though. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 313. That's that's you look at look at Scherzer at the beginning of from last year. Like you look at a lot of guys at the very beginning of their career, they're completely different guys. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Uh, let's stay with Miami, Luis Arias. He's now back up to 400 after yet another five-hit performance. He has three five-hit games this year, zero two-strikeout games. He still has it struck out twice in a game, Brooksy. I know. So this whole thing is getting a little ridiculous, right? Like, he's the first player with three five-hit games in one month since Dave Winfield did it in 1984. Dave Winfield was one of the best players, like most athletic human beings ever. He got drafted in, what, three different sports? Yeah. Something like that. It's insane. Um, so you can go a little bit further on this. So the record for five hit games in a season is four. It was by Ichiro, Tony Gwynn, Stan Musial, and Ty Cobb. <laughs> Ever heard of them? Ever heard of those guys? Like some of the best hand-eye, bat-to-ball skill guys of all time. And those are, let me say it again. So four five hit games in one season. That's the record. He had three. He has three this month. Cool. Think Think about that. All right. <laughs> I mean, the, the record's in reach, right? I mean, three and a half months of the season, season still left. Um, 
think something else that's cool is is he has a streak of 96 games. You just kind of said this. He has a streak of 96 games without striking out more than once. So he has zero two strikeout games and three five hit games. That is dumb. <laughs> that just like none of what I just told you is normal. Like especially in today's game where pride, everyone prides themselves on throwing a hundred and hitting homers. Arise is just like an anomaly, right? Like, and honestly, it's getting to the point where he doesn't just stand out in today's game. He stands out in every era of all time. Yeah. So something else. That, one, I have one more thing. It's cool. You're gonna like this. So he has 102 hits this year. 98 of them have an exit velocity under 100. That's nuts. It's it's so I, it's just I, like yeah. it, he's simply elite at getting the bat on the ball, which is just a lot a lost art in in today's game. I described it like a rise is like taking a trip down memory lane. You know, it's like going into a time portal and looking at Tony Gwynn. You know what I mean? Like uh, Tony Gwynn was more your era. Yeah, but even when Tony did this, like the pace he's on, it was like holy shit, this is special. So really? this isn't like, oh, we're going back to old school baseball. No, we're going, we're tapping into something that has only happened like a few times in the history of baseball. I'm not, I'm not booking them for a 400. I still don't, I still have like, I'm too realistic about this and don't think he's going to do it. I really hope he does. I feel like it's good for the game. I think MLB is praying he is 400 because then they're like, see, we want a more offense. We took the shift away and it worked. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is a guy who could do that. This isn't a guy you shift anyways. So it wouldn't matter. No, no, it's true. You're not going to shift him. He, he's foul pulled foul line to foul line wherever you pitch him. I mean, you can pitch him. I saw him yesterday against the Blue Jays, cut her in, and somehow he still flayed it to left for a knock. And then next to bat, he almost took Jose Barrios's uh, Blue Jay off his cap, dead up the middle, laser beam. Like he just, he's an artist, man. Yeah. It's swinging the shillelagh. Tony Gwynn was your era. Uh, my era right tony Gwynn was your era right kind of like a little bit before i like the the, yeah kind of like as i was a kid he was like getting towards the end of his career but tony Gwynn deservedly so got a lot of praise for everything he did with san diego is arise getting enough credit for what he's doing in in miami here or is it just like a little too early i feel like in today's game he needs even more credit yeah yeah because no one hits like this man like no Normally, and normally players that hit like this don't get an opportunity in the big leagues. Yeah. Because they're like looking for slug and power and production. Like he's not, I mean, I, this type of hitting is going to come back. Like we talked about this years ago when we started this pod, mm-hmm. that the game would eventually cycle back. And this was before any rule changes, or even talk of rule changes. And I think that's part of what the league has done with the pitch clock and bigger bases wanting guys to be active on the base paths and encourage base stealing uh, and then taking the shift away to promote guys and reward guys with hard hit singles, line drives, mentality. So I think that's just going to help cycle the game back, which all in all is, is better for baseball. And, and you're going to – it's so hard to hit a homer in the big leagues, man, especially now. I mean, I know why it's important because it's so hard to string together – you know, three, four hits to score runs off guys that are sitting 98 with four pitches. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we're just talking about Sandy Alcantara, who's sits 98 and a half miles an hour. You know, it's just like these guys, like, I was watching the game of Papa Blonde last night and I was like, 
we're watching the game. It's just like 97, what Pablo Lopez, when he's just 97, 97, 97. I'm like, we're so numb to guys throwing 97. Like when we were playing, we're like, oh shit, 97. You know, the fire, the flames used to pop up around the number on the, on the, on the bug, on the score bug. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, hmm, 100, another guy. No you big seen, deal. Like seen that's so World hard series? to hit. You seen the College yeah. World Series? Is it Skeen? Skeens was pumping 100 every fucking pitch. I'm glad they're showing the umpire cam. Yeah, it's cool. Because people are like, oh, shit, it's like a BB coming in there. It's not just Paul Skeens, though. Tennessee had a guy that was lighting it up. Everybody, dude. Yeah. Everybody. There's a, the, the way guys train, they understand strength. They understand um, They understand arm programs now from, like, 13 year old, years old on. Like, we're starting to see these kids that are in college right now were like the beginning of it, like for young kids. Yeah. Like six, seven years ago. Like all these kids were when they started like 12, 13 years old. This is like where they started that era when guys were like, okay, we need to throw hard to be productive. Okay, big league teams are filling their rosters with guys that throw hard. Not necessarily the best pitchers, but some throwers in there because it's hard to hit. And we're gonna go four seam top of the zone hard as you can because guys are trying to lift it. So now, like I said, we're, we're getting the game to cycle back a little bit. Um, and maybe maybe the pitch clock, too, at some point starts. If you want to be a pitcher that can work deep into the game, maybe you can't be max effort for seven innings because you're going to be exhausted. So I don't know. I'm excited to see, like, what it looks like in three years after this. Final question on Arise. Right now, Ronald Acuna Jr. is the – favorite to win National League MVP. You have a guy that's on pace for 30-30, potentially even 40 Don't forget 40. about Corbin Carroll, too. Corbin Carroll, too. You're right. He's right in line. Uh, Tatis is making some noise, too, out in San Diego yeah. lately. Defensively, yeah. my gosh. Jesus. My question for you, what a lot of people are asking is, if a guy hits 400, is he guaranteed the MVP award? In today's game, no. No, just because I think what has been made important, I think – what teams prioritize and have made very clear, like we're going to pay guys that slug. So that's been made like priority. Um, And I think production wise, Acuna will probably have more, he'll produce more runs um, and war and all that, which are the things they use to, to grade and measure these guys. So um, if Acuna stays on the pace he's on, he's the MVP. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be really hard not – I mean, Arise is going to get a lot of votes if he hits 400, and it's going to be really close, mm-hmm. as it should be, as it should be, because what he's doing is a feat that is spe- – it was special in the 40s when Ted Williams did it. It's special when Tony Gwynn was chasing it. Um, it will always be special because of how hard this game is, and guys get out seven times out of ten, and they're Hall of Famers. And he's doing it, getting out only six times every 10. It's insane. It's insane that he's done it through this many at-bats, honestly. So I'm glad he's starting to get some publicity and we're talking about it more because it just doesn't happen, man. This is such a hard game. It's hard to hit 250 in today's game. Let's move on and talk about the self-proclaimed America's team, the Cincinnati Reds. You talked about how like, the game's – just everybody hits 500-foot homers. Everybody throws 100 miles an hour. Apparently, the bases aren't long enough either. Did you see the infield hit that Ellie De La Cruz laid out? 
I don't want I'm, I'm I dude, I'm gonna sound like an old head. I get so nervous like watching him dive into first base. I know, I know. Like, I hear don't that. get hurt, man. Because he's big. We it's need him. Yeah, big. there's like too many long limbs and stuff to like snap in half. Like, yeah. just I love it. I love the hustle. I love. There's so many players in the game that are starting to like prioritize speed again. You know, he's him being one of them, but he's that rare combo of power and speed, which is really hard to come by. Um, but I just I love that team. The team's fun. Matt McClain rakes. Steer their first baseman can hit. I mean they. They need a pitch. I mean, they're going to struggle. They're struggle. They've struggled on the mound, but they're they're scoring enough runs where it's fine. They're pit, they're playing good defense where it's fine. Um, they got to go out and get an arm. They got to go pick somebody up from the White Sox. Like, so, grab somebody, get a good reliever. Like, go for it. Why not go for it? Because if you you're building, I don't like. Yeah, you're young, and you could look at this team and say. You know, we don't need to go for it yet. We're too young, kind of like the Baltimore Orioles last year going into the offseason. Their other off their front office looked at it like we don't need to go for it yet. If you're Cincinnati, go for it, man. This is the time, especially with where that division's at, to go for it. Because at some point, the Cubs are gonna be legit again. Mm-hmm. The Pirates are well on their way, as we see right now. Like they're right there for the division two. The Brewers obviously have arms, but like they're in a weird spot, like where they should, they could trade some guys, even though they're in the mix. So it's like now's the time for Cincy to go for it. And like, I'm not saying clean out your system because this is a, a it's been a rebuild. You're starting to finally see some dividends from the rebuild. So not don't clean it out. Just go get like one or two guys and then use what you have because what you have is working. I hate to break your heart, but I think it's. It's like a spitting image of the Baltimore Orioles last year, and we wanted that's Baltimore. Fair. We wanted that's Baltimore. Fair, but it's not the AL East. You're right. It's not. You're right. That's that's a really good point. That really good point. I just don't see them going out and getting rid of anybody to try and add, just because I didn't see Baltimore do it last year, and now Baltimore is in you know has one of the best records in the American League now. So I feel like Cincinnati, they want to win a division. Maybe they make a minor move or two, but the thing, but like the thing is, well, you got Hunter Green, right? You go add another arm, then all of a sudden you have two solid arms going into a postseason series. Like you have a chance. Don't forget about Ladolo, who's in. He's uh, he's going to be sidelined until August right now. Dude's got strikeout stuff, dude. He's he's good. Yeah, he does. You're he's right. Alexis Diaz bullpen. So it's a wait and see situation, obviously, but I don't know why. I mean, they're they're definitely not going to be sellers at all. Um, I I don't I don't think they're going to be super aggressive, but they at least have to add a starter. In my opinion, they I have they to do. add a starter. Yeah, I, I mean they're they like do. bottom of the barrel as far as starter ERA goes. And I know, I know ERA is not everything, but you got to have pitchers to lock some stuff down. We you talked about Votto at the jump. Uh, not the same player. He's not you know 2010 NL MVP Joey Votto by any means, but he made adjustments at the plate about two three years ago. He had 36 homers two years ago. 36 that was that was two years ago and then he got injured last year and, and didn't quite have as much success but uh hey you know what maybe joey Votto's an extra boost of energy uh yeah and there's just a, like a leadership there's a leadership key there like that he adds to that that club i mean we know how young they are yeah they have a ton of guys that don't have much experience not only playing in big leagues or, 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 or big games or leading a division but like just black experience playing at this level mm-hmm. so he seems like a good guy as far as like approach and mentality. He comes across as a weird guy to people, but like 
he knows how to hit like the mentality of arise like Votto has that mentality he also has added like and he said it publicly like I've been trying to hit for more power like that's what I need to do to stay in the game I'm not going to run the bases well anymore I'm I'm too old I'm not going to hurt anybody hitting singles and taking walks so I'm going to hit for power so I can keep a spot on the team but Let's not forget Joey Votto's like on base skills, his bat to ball skills that he had for he was like Freddie Freeman for a while. Yeah. So he 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 still has that in here. He just he knows he had to change his game to stay in the league. Speaking of Freddie Freeman, Dodgers are in third place in the National League West. Are the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are three and a half games up on the San Francisco Giants, second place San Francisco Giants, are the Arizona Diamondbacks the best team in, in that division? I think so. I I don't know why not. If they now, 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 now. They are also in position where if they if one of their guys in Gallon or Kelly gets hurt, they look completely different. If someone at the back end of their bullpen gets hurt, they look completely different. If Corbin Carroll goes down, they look completely different. So they're an injury away from not winning that division, in my opinion. Uh, but if they stay healthy with I, I think they have it. I, I I do, and I think obviously the Dodgers, the Dodgers have a really good offense. They're still a really good team. They didn't do a whole in the offseason. Obviously, they lost Gavin Lux, which hurt them up the middle. Um, so they have some holes. They definitely have some holes. Um, I don't think the Giants are a second place team. I think they're playing a little over their skis right now. I think they're overperforming right now. I think they're hot. I don't think that sticks. I think they end up in third place. Okay. I think the Dodgers figured out. But it's going to be like a race between Arizona and L.A. So San Diego is going to finish in fourth? I, ah, you forget about them. You forget about them, right? I, I just continue to be so disappointed in them. Yeah. It's like every time like they start playing well, I'm like, oh, here they come. And then they're going another five-game losing streak. It's I like, know. What's going on? It's they like need something, a, seems, yeah. something seems off there to me. Mm. They need like, a stretch. The, they need a good stretch of games that they can put together. They need to go like 22 and 7. You know, like one of those type runs where they like <clears throat> all of a sudden in a month, you're like, okay, now we're in the, you know, we're three games out, four games out, which they can. They have the offense to do it for yeah. sure. But it's like, yeah. The, they the, seem like they slump together. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> they do. They absolutely but like when they're hot. They're hot. They kill everybody, but then they cool off. Everybody cools off. It's hundred percent. Yep. The way that Tatis is playing and Soto's getting the bat on the ball, and Manny's starting to get hot too. Uh, the lineup's lethal, and the pitching's decent enough. So I, I think they have a shot to go on a run for sure. That division's going to be tough though. I was about to say it's a, it's a fun division with like half the season left to play, more than half the season left to play. There's uh, I mean, there's a lot of divisions like that right now. I the mean, media, they, the media does not want Tatis to win the MVP, but he's going to be in the conversation the way he's playing. You know, he he's it's easy to dislike him after last year, uh, this year with him getting heckled and just kind of like dancing and acting like he doesn't care about it. Which that's just his. I don't care. Like that's his way of handling the pressure and bigger thing. I don't care. You did what you did. You paid the time. He's fun to watch from a fan's perspective. He's fun to watch. So I'm not rooting against him at all. 
I'm, I, I would love to see a four team race mm -hmm. in September, which we might, we really might get. The Dodgers have a luxury that no other team, if not that division, then in the entire league have, and they, they just have so much depth, dude. They they got guys go down like Bueller. Uh, oh, okay, we have a uh, it's Noah Syndergaard. We're gonna put him on the injured list. Okay, let's bring up Bobby Miller. You know, like they just have another guy that throws hundred left yeah. and right. So they, it, you know, they, what else that is depth means pieces to move at a depth. Yeah, market. you're right. You're right. It does. Any last thoughts on the Angels who are 41 and 33 and in second place? The Angels? I mean, they're a fun team, man. I mean, you look at what like Shohei just did on that road trip in Texas and Kansas City. Trout's starting to warm up a little bit. Um, I mean, the freeway series is about to start, which I think is fun. The two-gamer with the Dodgers. I think it's in Anaheim, right? I believe it's in Anaheim. So, but like the Dodgers are like the heavy favorites to land Shohei in the, in the off season. So it'll be kind of cool for them to play against each other. Shohei starting game two of that Kershaw's throwing game one against Reed Demers. It, that'll be a good, that'll be a fun series. I think this is a good measuring stick for the angels. And it's kind of two teams at the moment trending in opposite directions. Like the angels mm -hmm. are playing good ball. The Dodgers are not, they just got swept by the giants moved in the third. So this is, I mean, this is going to be a really fun series, I think. And Winner for the fan, for the fans on the West coast, this is always fun. Winner gets the rights to Shohei Otani. Okay. <laughs> that would make that, things very I, interesting. I can guarantee I know exactly where Scott Boris will be the next two nights. Yeah, that's a good point. And he'll be in his little suite next to the on-deck circle for the visiting team at Anaheim. Thanks for jumping on, buddy. Uh, you're going to be on the Nesson broadcast team, not pregame, postgame, right? You're on the actual broadcast this week? No. Nope. No, nope. team's out of town. So I'm just doing pre and post game this week uh, on Ness. And so our pregame, our post game, I'm with Jonathan Pebblebon this week. So it should be a are you going, show. Are you going out with Pat? No. No. I have kids. I have a wife. I, uh, I, I, I it's my job to keep him out of jail. <laughs> um, I did get a lot of ones from the ATM just in case. <laughs> oh man uh you better share that with them all right wake and rake podcast people we're actually going to talk later this week we're going to get uh mark gubiza up on the show former world champ also known as gooby gooby gooby, gooby. i love gooby so when i was actually in anaheim uh doing the broadcast socks angels uh caught up with them talked to him for a sec best hair in the league best teeth in the league and when can you see the tan on this guy my goodness, he is golden, golden. It's like Dennis Eckersley. All the guys from that era have just like the perfect hands. But now they do TV. It's funny. Good guy though. You're gonna enjoy him. If that isn't the best teaser for an next episode, I don't know what it is. <laughs> He'll love we'll that talk. too. He'll love that too when you tell him. We'll, we'll talk soon, people. Peace. <laughs>